In today's episode, I sit down with Tara Chandra and Susan Allen, the founders behind Here We Flow, a line of organic and eco-friendly menstruation products. Join us as we discuss how they got started as graduates, their Bridgerton-inspired TV commercial, and what's in the work for the future. Hi everyone and welcome to Founder Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Favel and Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable in Maine has been an incredible journey so far, and I decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's a delight to welcome our guests for today, Tara Chandra and Susan Allen. They are the co-founders and best friends behind Here We Flow, an organic range of products for period care, sexual health and bladder care. Their story began in a bathroom when Tara and Susan were students at the London School of Economics. They delved into a conversation about the lack of eco-friendly conventional period products and began researching how they would run a social impact business together. Soon after, Here We Flow was born as a brightly packaged brand with tongue-in-cheek messaging to combat the history of embarrassment that has long surrounded menstruation. I love that Tara and Susan have also imprinted their support for marginalised communities into their brand mission. Here We Flow donates 5% of all profits to charities that support people and the planet. From the expansion across the UK and US to their Sky Zero Footprint Fun Award in 2021, Here We Flow is truly making waves in the industry and I couldn't be more excited to sit down with the founders today. So Susan, Tara, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. So I asked my guests the same question. I'm going to ask both of you guys the one that I think you probably might know what's coming, but let's see. So I'll start with... Tara first. So Susan, you've got a bit of time. Um, Tara, who in a nutshell are you? Oh, oh wow. In a nutshell. Okay. I, I would hope that I can be all the things that our brand also aspires to be, which is funny, feminist, and fierce. I love that. Yes. You continue if you have anything more sorry, sorry you're about to say something I, yeah. <laughs> it's a really tough one for anyone to describe themselves in a nutshell but I think that's what I really aspire aspire to be on a day-to-day yeah. level I think I'm just you know probably like you know I, I love my family and my friends I love my team I am a massive foodie and a hipster and I know you're not supposed coffee to coffee snob coffee snob yeah. you're not supposed to describe yourself as a foodie or a hipster or a coffee snob because it means you're not really any of those things i don't really care like yeah those are all things that i love um and yeah i i i think i just try really hard um i hope that everyone feels comfortable and um around me and that i can create a bit of warmth and love and stuff in the world but then also make people laugh and so I think that for me is 
the f- funny feminist and fierce in, in different shades. Um, yeah. You're probably also not supposed to call yourself funny either. No, uh, you can do whatever you want. There's no rule book. <laughs> but there's lots of people who I'm sure don't think I'm funny. Um, I don't think my son thinks I'm very funny, but my husband thinks I'm really funny. Susan, that's do you it. think I'm funny? I do think you're funny. There you that's go. The, that's the there way to my heart. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, beautifully said. And, and well, now, Susan, you've had a bit of time. So, Susan, who in a nutshell are you? Um, so, in a nutshell, I think that. I think I would also claim to be funny, feminist, and fierce, but just yes. in the other side of the coin. So, like in the hyper organized, sort of accidentally sassy and funny, and um, really big on the sort of social justice and having a sense of fairness and the fierceness. I am the mama bear of the two of us. Um, yes the one most likely to swear so i'm gonna try to <laughs> no that's not true at all i'm like a oh. sailor i drop an f-bomb all the time Have, you know what and this this podcast you can do what you want so feel free open, <gasps> <Okay>. open <for> <laughs> <laughs> so i kind of want to start i'm going to go into both your individual journeys just a little bit because i like I paint a picture a little bit of how then eventually you guys met at lse but um i'll start with you tara um I know you grew up in, in the Bay Area in San Francisco and you moved around a bit. Um, but we'd love for you to like paint us a picture of sort of your, yeah, like your your life until you got to London. Oh, boy. So um, born and raised in um, Silicon Valley around San Jose, California. Um, my um family. Um, I, I come from a um, Asian family, so I'm half Indian, half half Persian, um, and lots of family in those sort of like immigrant desired professions. So um, professors, engineers, doctors, lawyers, those kinds of, and then tech, you know, um, coming from the Bay Area. So yeah. a lot of academic pressure in my family. Um, I went to Columbia University in New York for my undergrad uh, in in America, what we would call college, what in the UK we call uni. Um, I studied economics, um, but also did their music performance program because I'd studied um, jazz and opera um, since I was a kid in California. Always really loved Amdram, like community theater, you know, choir, all those things. I loved it. Um, I finished my degree two years early and I moved to LA and I was actually working in the music industry. Um, And I then moved to London after three years. I really hated living in LA. Anyone who's from California probably know will know this, but others don't. There's like a NorCal SoCal divide. There's like a rivalry, yeah. probably like in North and South here in 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 the UK London. as well. Yeah. But yeah, so San Francisco thinks it's like authentic and cool, like you know, chill, and LA thinks it's like you know the best and the the you know shiniest and all of that and. Um, so I, I found LA a little bit difficult um, to, to live in, but it's a great place to visit. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, so I wasn't very happy in LA. Moved to London to go to the London School of Economics for my master's. And that is where I met Susan Allen. Amazing. Well, also, I mean, you touched on it really briefly, but you mentioned you had a bit of a music career. What was that? Were you a singer? Were you playing instruments? What was that? Yeah, so I was a... Um, a singer and a songwriter in the style of retro soul, which is like Duffy, Amy Winehouse, yeah. like nowhere near, <laughs> nearly as good as any of those people. But That's I tough. always really loved Motown. I loved 90s hip hop. I loved um, like retro pop, um, basically anything before 1974. Um, and then for hip hop in, in the 90s was kind of my favorite eras in music um and i liked to mix all of those different things um that's so cool and i had indie record deals but um nothing mainstream and like i'm i'm so old now that it's like it was before spotify so i don't even have stuff on spotify really because i think when i left music spotify was kind of just becoming a big thing it was all about um youtube when I was yeah. um, doing music. So yeah, I had indie mm. record deals, but nothing. I never made more than I made as a barista, which I also worked as. <laughs> so yeah. uh, living the dream. But some my friends kept at it. And now three of my friends have been nominated for Grammys in the in wow. this between this year and the past couple of years. My friends have done absolutely amazing in all the different things they've done. So, um, so exciting. Yeah, so lots of people better than me who worked harder than me but um yeah no, I ended up going to the LSE and changed my I know life the grind way. um no I, I actually can relate a bit with uh when I was at Imperial um so not not too far across the the, the, the city um I was also um uh, doing music on the sides so I was like busking on the streets of Portobello Road and oh uh, working God. with like a small label so like yeah I uh <clears throat> I know the the kind of how a kind of freeing and and very like kind of for meditation singing can be but then when it starts becoming a career that pressure and then that kind of the reality of the industry it, it's it's quite hard and you have to really be dedicating full time into it and be prepared to not make money for a while and do all of that but I think I um yeah it's great but when you're at like a like a like a uni like a like a LSC or a, like an imperial and then I, I was in an engineering degree I kind of was like you know that's also taking a lot of my time that I need to focus yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was hard to like really dedicate one or the other. And then I ended up just saying, no, let's just, I think I was a better business person than a singer. So I decided to make that decision. But you never know, you know, you, you always have that kind of passion at your heart. And I can always do a good karaoke day. So we should do a karaoke <laughs> session once. Love a bit of karaoke. You know, <laughs> love a bit of karaoke. Yeah. Um, but Susan, we'd love to now turn over to you. So uh, I know you were born and raised in the Virgin Islands, grew up in Boston. Tell us a bit about your sort of story until London. Yeah, so that's right. I was born in St. Croix in the Virgin Islands, but we moved to Boston. I'm one of five kids. And so my older siblings, my three older siblings, um, we moved so they could go to school. Uh, then I went to, for my uni, my undergrad at, um, the University of Massachusetts Amherst, um, shout out UMass, and, (laughs) um, studied social communications and pre-law, 
And, um, and, but I'd always been working since I was 13 in the sort of nonprofit space on healthcare policy, because that's sort of what my mom was doing. Um, and, um, yeah, once I graduated, I went to work for the sort of national outfit and was there for a few years. And once we passed Obamacare, I'm like, I feel like this is a good moment to transition and do something else. And so then I moved to New York and started working at George Soros's Philanthropy, the Open Society Foundation. And I was there for over a decade in five different roles. Um, and about halfway through my time there, even though anything corporate or business-like is really a dirty word in the social justice space. Um, I personally am um, a sort of like systems builder of solving problems. And so I'm like, I feel like um, there's probably something I can learn. Um, and so I, I applied and, and got into LSE. Uh, and that's where I started attending and, and met Tara here. So My platonic about... soulmate, as I call her. And I can tell, actually, I, I want to know how maybe either one of you can even tag team on the answer, but like, how did you guys, like, was it in the same dorms? Like, how did you guys meet and then knew you guys would be like, soul partners, business partners, all of that above? There was only six women in our whole program. Yeah. Now there's way more women than men in the program, actually. But when we went, there was only like, it was a very small master's program, um, 23 people. And only six of us were women and only only a handful of us were in our 20s so it was just really me mm -hmm. and susan and alphabetical seating so she was alan and i was chandra so we were sat next to each other and susan was you were it's a miracle that she wanted to 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 talk to me because I, just to set the scene this was my first time traveling to london yeah. I had like gotten off the plane. It was one of my coworkers that said, oh, just get on the Heathrow Express. It'll take you to where you need to go. So it took me to Paddington because that's where it goes. And I needed yeah. to get to Holborn. So I go, I registered. I'm like in my dorm unpacking the stuff. And I get a text message from our administrator. And she's like, right, are you joining us for orientation? And so then I'm scurrying around the LSE campus. And I literally burst into our classroom, a sweaty mess. And they're like, okay, hello, you sit there. And so I sat next to Tar, and somehow she didn't think I was a psychopath. She still wanted to be my friend. I've never seen you look like a sweaty mess. She's <laughs> way more polished and put together. Like you had, we used to, didn't we used to joke that you liked Olivia Pope from Scandal? Like you liked oh, yeah. those suits. She loved yeah. like a pantsuit. And at the time I was still dressing as a musician. So I think yeah. I had like a polka dot miniskirt on. And, and and a, a highlighter yellow blazer. I will never yeah. forget that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, I love yeah. that. And you were talking what about man. Alan Stone, the singer, and how you were listening to him. And I, I said, oh, I know Alan. And his, his manager is my ex-boyfriend. And I had just basically moved to London and left that whole scene and all of that stuff. And yeah. It was, um, I don't think any of those people work together anymore, but uh, yeah, it was a different lifetime. Yeah. Wow. So, so, so you guys obviously hit it off straight away. And then um, as the friendship flourished, um, when did this sort of moment spark where you guys were thinking about this, you know, this obviously this um, much needed 
and uh, I, th I think important gap in the market for something like Here We Flow. And how did that started? Yeah, we were in the toilets in the LSE new academic building, like one of our big campus buildings, um, in between the in between classes. And Susan said, "You know, I'm really inspired by these classes we're taking. Um, we should start." A business we should start the feminist mafia and i said oh my god let's let's do it i love the sound of a feminist mafia what kind of you know business what's our moolah maker for this mafia and we're batting back and forth ideas and because of my sort of like i you know vegan gluten-free macrobiotic every la trend that i was on although i became a vegan when i was in uni um long before um you know, we were thinking about those kinds of things, plant-based, and this was 10 years ago. So it was like, none of these things were mainstream trends at the time, but just really important to us as values. Um, and we wanted to do something that gave back to um, women in the planet, which we've expanded to just more broadly people to be more inclusive. But that was really what we were thinking at the time. Susan, very passionate about social justice. I was very passionate about, um, you know, um, people in need as well. And so we knew we wanted, okay, we wanted to be like plant-based, vegan, organic, give, have a social impact. And then of course we wanted it to be really well-branded. Well-branded. So, yeah. I, I was that brandaholic that I still am can get lost in a supermarket aisle for, you know, ages. Like everyone in my life is like, Tara, get out of this supermarket. Like we need to go. And I'm like, no, it's like a bookstore for me. You know, I love it. I love brands. And Susan is just to this day also way more fashionable than me, knows like every trend, all the pieces of like um, pop culture. And that was kind of the building block. And I said, you know what, what about organic tampons? Because we were in the bathroom. I said, I can't find organic tampons anywhere in London. When I was in LA, I bought them at Whole Foods, but it's kind of ridiculous that I should have to go to a Whole Foods every time I get my period. Um, you should be able to buy these things on the mass market the same way that I can see kombucha and plant-based milks and all sorts of other organic, vegan and plant-based products reaching the mass market in retail. Um, and that was that was the origin and then ended up doing all this research over the next two years of our degree um focus groups market research consumer surveys all that stuff as part of um, a dissertation um and that was the business foundation for what became here we flow we didn't launch the business until a years a few years later but it was really really um important and and the inspiration behind the name how did you guys come across like th those words and like was it like a a lot of different names thrown out there or was it like no we knew from day one it's going to be called here we flow we had a list, had a of, like, list of names yes yeah and then we narrowed it down to flow just flo yeah um, and then trademarks i'm sure were like uh you got to have some more words or something I, it might have been that. I think also we really love rhymes, alliteration, puns. Yeah. We're a very punny brand. Um, so I remember we really loved the way it rolled off the tongue when you said, here we flow.co. Yeah. And yeah. so that's probably so where true. it came from. We wanted, 
And we, you know, I think we were always conscious. We we say at, at Here We Flow that our mission is shamelessly natural care for life's messiest moments. Moment. Yes, and those messy moments are really important. And we never wanted to be stuck or pigeonholed just doing periods because the whole thing was we feel that the human body is so messy to own, so messy to own. There's always like a fluid or a discharge or, oh, like even the word discharge is so ick. Like there's so many of these messy, icky moments in life that come with owning a human body. But the thing that takes away that ick and that stigma and stuff is when you just remember that we all go through it, that we all have like periods, we get sick, we we have to, if, you, if you're a parent, you have to clean a diaper, so you're dealing with yeah. and clean up vomit, bodily fluids all the time. And yeah. we thought, wouldn't it be great if we could have a business where the same way we want to make people feel more positive and confident around their period, we could just bond with each other and say, hey, yeah, we have all these bodily messy moments. We sweat, we we have bladder leaks, we have, you know, we have sex, we have all these things. And we're gonna make a joke about it and make you feel better and give you a plant-based solution to clean it up. And if yeah. you have a name like Here We Flow, we felt like it gave us space to to grow and not just be stuck doing period care, but but um, keep keep growing. Definitely. No, I couldn't agree more. And I know um, apart from which I want to get into the products in a bit, but you guys also are standing for quite a few things from, you know, whether it's a sustainability angle, the charity angle. And I know, Susan, apart from the work you do with Hiwi Flow, you also are a director director of um, diversity and equity and inclusion unity um, for Open Society Foundation. So like, you know, how important was it for you with the things you do on the side as well, like to get to make sure the brand lives and speaks and breathes all of these really important pillars? No, that was that was so important. I think that was a, a huge part of that conversation in the bathroom sort of at, at the, the beginning was we wanted to create a business that sort of like did good from mm. from the start rather than having to like lump CSR initiatives on at the end. It's really part of the foundation and that has grown right through with us hiring our team like culture is such a core part of the business and making sure you know the same five values that we we have work yeah. both internally and externally it's hugely important and a lot of that is, is is what i learned in my time sort of like envisioning creating implementing and then running a, a global dei initiative for for an organization as large as um yeah. open society so um it's, it's definitely um, impacted us as a business and and the thing I'm, I'm most proud of is that our team uh, or one of the things I'm most proud of is our team constantly says this is the best place they've ever worked and we have some amazing. really amazing um, experienced women we're a team of 13 women we're proud to say and um, yeah our team is awesome and it means a lot that they they feel sort of like cared for and inspired and motivated um, so culture is a huge thing for us and then in some of those things you're talking about, like um, maybe can you tell us a bit of some of the things that you guys are working on? And I think your your B Corp pending, which is really exciting. And yeah, what what are some of the the pillars that you're doing within those? Yeah, we just had our verification call last week, so we're we're getting um, to the tail end of the process. Uh, but B Corp is huge for us because we you know we like to say that we're dark green on the inside and light green on the outside. Um, obviously there's lots of things that customers are considering when they're choosing a product, but for us, yes. 
it's again a part of of being that sort of good from end to end we really want to be um a sustainable business from sort of cradle to customer um and just having b corp there to sort of credential all those steps has been a, a huge piece of that um i think some of the charities that we work with so obviously um period poverty has is something that has has gained a lot more attention recently we've been working with with bloody good period um since basically since we started the company um we were and, their very first partner their very yeah. first oh, um that's amazing partner. when gap before gabby edlin the founder before she yeah um even i think it was really a thing we were we were both like bloody good period was just starting and flow was just starting and um i said let's let's do it together it, like let's partner where where we can we want to support you that's so, so good yeah they're amazing. amazing and then orchid project which is yeah. female genital mutilation um yeah. or female genital cutting um and that's a global organization they do incredible work where they are um working in in communities which has this practice to try and um you know, collaborate with them um, yeah. and explain why the practice can actually be harmful. Because the thing is that we tend to think of F FGC or FGM as something that's like um, a violent act that um, families and people are <clears throat> doing to young girls. And that is one way to look at it. But the other way to look at it is that actually members of those communities often think that they're helping um those yeah. girls and the that they'll say but if they don't do this yeah. they won't be protected they won't like be able to um get married or be accepted in the community and lots of things so orchid mm -hmm. project has to do often very um, delicate and political work on grassroots level but also policy level um all over the world um and even even here in the uk you know in um diasporas and immigrant communities here and so on so they do amazing work and susan you want to yeah and then akt um works yeah. to support um homeless lgbtq plus youth um and yeah we're really proud to to partner with, with all of them and and continue to support them uh yeah how amazing. we can so so it, it's so great to see uh like the variety because you have so many different i guess pillars that can be touching with the Hiwi flow. It's so great that you're you're giving equal chance to get all of the the kind of awareness and everything. And I think you're not pigeonholing yourself, as you said at the beginning, into one thing, right? Hiwi flow can really grow into a lot of different areas. Uh, but currently, where you guys are are at, uh, I would love for maybe you to explain a little bit about the products. I know you have the, the period care, the bladder care, and the sexual wellness. So maybe uh, one of you can take it away and tell us what kind of products you have right now. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, we have Flow Period Care, Glow Sensitive Bladder Care, and our Exo Sexual Wellness line. Our Flow Period Care is um, our original line and probably our most well-known, and that is things like our organic cotton tampons in the biodegradable ice cream tubs, which you might have seen in Boots or Holland & Barrett um, um, or Ocado or Amazon <laughs> or <laughs> lots, of other, lots of other places, Superdrug. Um, uh, and um, our organic bamboo pads and liners. Um, our pads are our bestseller. Um, people really love how silky soft they feel and how um, thin they are and how absorbent they are. Organic cotton can bulk up a little bit when it gets wet. 
um, and give you kind of like a nappy feeling when you, when your pad gets full. So organic bamboo though um, just holds more liquid um, without bulking up. And so it keeps that slim um, feeling and it's a bit more comfortable. So yeah, so uh, in the flow line, it's tampons, pads, liners made from organic and natural materials like bamboo, cotton, um, cornstarch, um, things like biodegradable wrappers that, um, you know, moving away from compostable bioplastics that aren't like that, but instead made from compostable cellulose. So plant-based cellulose that looks and feels like a plastic material, but it's mm. actually just clear paper. Um, lots of innovation there. Um, that's been very exciting for us. We have our period pants in our flow line, which is a, a much smaller part of what we do. Um, there's other companies who do period pants um, in, in a range of different so styles. Orange. Yeah, and, and do them really well. And that's awesome. We just wanted to do uh, some really fun ones. We did it with the show Sex Education, um, Netflix's show Sex Education. And the really cool thing about our period pants is even though we're like, okay, we're just gonna do these, um, uh, organic cotton period pants, black, pink, rainbow waistband, pink waistband with sex education. Um, they work great, but that's the only two that we're going to do. People have loved them. So that's really cool. Um, and we love having a reusable option as well. Yeah. And then we have our glow sensitive bladder care line, which is again, bamboo pads and liners made um, for bladder leaks. So light bladder leaks, um this is for people if you've had if you've had a, a babies like me and susan um or if you're you know just having getting older your pelvic floor is changing um maybe it's menopause perimenopause lots of reasons that bladder leaks can happen um and this can start so much younger than you think in your 20s and 30s um so these are pads and liners specifically for that they have a little 3d leak barrier inside they have natural charcoal core which helps neutralize odors naturally so no fragrances or anything like that um and then we have our exosexual wellness line which is um, a fast growing line for us also very new very exciting and those our exo line is kind of our um, hero line in terms of sustainability our yeah. rubber that we source is really, really special. Um, we're founding members of something called the Regenerative Rubber Initiative. Um, mm. Rubber plantations um, are, you know, can be some of the worst uh, offenders in the world for um, like worker care, um, labor violations, um, health violations, um, environmental <laughs> disasters. <laughs> Uh, this is a problem with agricultural plantations across the world, and you probably know this from sourcing your your hair care products. Um, mm. But plantations are really tricky, and that's why even for our cotton um, and our bamboo, you know, we really wanted to check how is it grown, where is it grown, what kind of certifications do they have. Well, with rubber, it was the same thing, and we looked and saw, yeah, there is fair trade, but can can there be a standard that tries to exceed the standards of fair trade for rubber. Um, hold yourself to a, a, a different level of transparency and um, um, social care as well. So the Regenerative Rubber Initiative is working directly with small farmers, no middle people, middlemen, um, yeah. 
and it's growing rubber trees in a biodynamic way uh, where uh, in an ag agroforestry, agroforestry. Yeah. So in instead of thinking about like rows and rows and rows of trees planted, think about like a forest, just like yeah. with other plants and animals, symbiotic relationships. The rubber is sourced there and then the farmers sell it directly to our factory um, at a, a fair price. Um, and the factory is solar powered and then creates different rubber items, including condoms. And then our condoms are not tested on animals. They don't have any animal byproducts, which conventional condoms can they can have milk powder casein they can have um, lamb skin lamb intestine things like that so um yeah and then of course they're tested up the wazoo for safety and um yeah and all of our products are carbon neutral uh, from cradle to customer and we work with climate partner a german um, nonprofit. um for that and our newest product in our sexual wellness exosexual wellness line is called naughty by nature and it's a lubricant and right now it's just in the states but hopefully yeah. we'll make its way over here soon uh, so exciting well well also what's really exciting is beyond all your responsible manufacturing and processes you also have very creative campaigns and um i loved your sort of if i'm right in saying that bridgerton inspired um, yeah. kind of commercial campaign it was so cool when I saw it I know it's going to be recognized by the industry for amazing um, like feedback from that but just how yeah tell us a bit about your marketing initiatives and campaigns and especially that one sure so um, you as Tara mentioned we really love alliteration we love puns um, you know being cheeky that, that's part yeah. of the brand that's part of the the being funny feminist and fierce um, and we have a lot of really amazing angel investors. And, and one of our, uh, a key one for us when it comes to marketing uh, is Bruce Crouch. Um, he was one of the former executive creative directors at BBH. And he, you know, from the time we met him, really loved the brand um, and loved what we were doing. And so he's been a great supporter. And he now works... Um, with two other guys to run Hatch London Studios. And so they um, had found out about the, the Footprint Fund and thought we'd be great for it. And so they were a creative partner with that. Bruce worked with us to, to put the script together. Um, he really thought period drama, which is something that's so sort of part of the British culture, would work so well with a bit of a double entente and um yeah he just came up with that brilliant script and um it was really exciting the great thing about bruce is when we worked with him on the script we would say um can we get the word vagina in there and he'd be like yeah let's get the word vagina in there you know like he wasn't um it was just really i was a little like nervous because you know we're a feminist company and yeah. men are feminists too and we're all female company, all those things. And I just wanted to make sure that was represented. And I Absolutely. love period dramas. I've yeah. always loved period dramas. Um, so it's perfect. It, like, it's literally like a match made in heaven. Like, even like the whole, um, the creative side, the, Bridget, the, the Britishness. And I think it's, uh, <laughs> it was so creative. And I think also it leads to like, 
what could come in the future, right? Like the options are endless with your creative um, kind of forces behind it. So yeah, it's very, very cool. Um, I'm sure like uh, with the whole recent, like the last, the pandemic as well, like just being online and digital is a great way to connect with people. But how have you guys found that kind of balance behind or between, I would say, um, yeah, working with retail, which is very kind of traditional, you know, you have your retail needs if you in the likes of Target, as you know, with you guys, et cetera versus this whole like d2c more brand building brand storytelling because there can be some you can try to match them and there is a universe where they do really come together but there are universes where they really are quite separate so how have you found that kind of yeah duality um you know our vision for the business has always been retail first we really love retail. We love that in-store experience, even just going to Boots, going to the grocery store, going to Target, going to a Tesco. Yeah. Like we love that. Um, and so that's really what we always wanted. Everyone in the business community from when we started the business a few years ago, pre-COVID, very much tried to push us into D2C, direct to consumer. Mm -hmm everyone was just like you've got to do this you've, you've got to do this and we we said we've done this research as part of our degrees and also just talking to our friends and also just thinking about our own experience where um you know we see that we buy these products period care bladder care maybe condoms are different so put condoms aside for a second but we buy them in, at the supermarket as part of our weekly shop. And then if you look at the sales data, you find like 70% of people who menstruate buy them at the supermarket, um, buy their products at the supermarket. So we were like, this is a brick and mortar distribution game. And D2C is great, but when we think about how we have behaved online for D2C, we yeah. don't really subscribe to most stuff beyond six months. Yeah. And yeah. it seems difficult with the price points that you sh should offer for yeah. a necessity to make a profit selling online. If you think about it this way, you have to pay Facebook like, you know, between 10 <laughs> and 40 pounds, depending on the CPAs at the time. Yeah um for that sale and then you're hoping someone subscribes for a long enough time um, so you can recoup that so yes, you can yeah. make a profit on that but at the same time you it's you shouldn't really be charging more than five to six pounds including shipping yeah for these necessities bladder care period care you know um and we just said look these these variables just don't line up but the way that business trends work is that sometimes people just don't want to listen. So that's actually one reason. I know this is one, isn't what you asked, but that's one no, reason no, but we stayed yeah. non-venture funded for a long time because we had venture partners reaching out to us all the time and all they were interested in was D2C. Was yeah. D2C. D2C. This mm. has now changed. It I will is. say this has now changed a lot since people because have found Because they're that. realizing now D2C is not where it's going to be at. But you guys know, right? The data and, and the gut feeling behind the brand, it's so important. And um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's something that uh, 
of course it does depend on the product and the type of product it is because there are some businesses that have product that perhaps need to be more in D2C to storytell mm. and have, yes. they have the margins to do that. Fair enough, you know. But I think when it comes to FMCG, a lot of the time um, you have to really consider a strong retail partner or partners. Um, not only to, to yeah, there's loads of benefits, right? One is you have the access to different customers, localized communities, quick and easy purchase on that day in person. But two, and, and also then there's that whole kind of sustainability angle that could come into play as well with, you know, you have a, um, less shipping all these products out individually and you just have like one unit, one place. But generally speaking, it's really about being able to offer the customer sometimes the, the best the best cost and today unfortunately with the amazon the drive of these businesses you you have this expectation of free shipping and if that eats into you know like shipping can cost more than five dollars on average minimum uh, if you're selling a product for five dollars how are you going to make margin any profit yeah. um, and then that will have to be translated to the customer which is no good so i think it's about first building the brand awareness to a strong retail partner before and still keeping d2c but um, even with with Fable and Maine, I remember I um while we have a a, a better margin to 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 do mo- most of you know as a thirty four dollar product, we can do a lot a uh, lot more with D two C. We have relied heavily on retail to grow the business and awareness, and without a strong retail partner, our brand wouldn't be alive today. It just wouldn't. Um, yeah, and that's just the reality. Exactly. Yeah. So we have a D two C is probably five to ten percent of what we do. Yeah. And we love it for certain things. Um, we love engaging with our customers directly. Yeah, We love the feedback, the yeah. conversations. We love the marketing potential. Testing new products. I was about to say testing as testing, well. Testing, yeah. testing yeah. is great. Yeah. yeah, season like we, we launched a whole bit. I think all of our products. Yeah, all the pad extensions. Because, mm. you know, you don't have to worry about entering it into the barcode systems and all that with exactly. the retailers and, and some retailers will, will, who are not that maybe keen for an idea you could say well, look well we're gonna still go ahead we believe there's an, uh, an appetite for it but we'll launch on our d2c first and let you know how it does and that's what even what sephora yeah, does with right. us they're like how's it performing okay if it's if it's selling out three times maybe can we take it on our you know yep. retail mm-hmm. shelves that's it uh, so, actually yeah. every single product that we've ever done um, except for our lube, which we lubricant for XO, mm. which we did exclusively for Target and Whole Foods in the US. Yeah. Um, every other product that we've ever done started uh, it, for retail, started um, on oh. D2C. And we yeah. learned a lot from, from that. And then also for your new product development process, D2C is so valuable because, for example, we have bladder pads. All of our bladder pads have wings, yeah. um, which I love. Um, I am pregnant right now. I need bladder pads. <laughs> um, and uh, I love that they have wings, but there are a lot of customers who say, I don't want wings on my bladder pads, but you would never be able to hear, like they literally write in saying, I love your pads, please get rid of the wings. Please get rid of the wings. <laughs> you yeah. can't get that. There's no way in retail, you would just be like, why doesn't this sell? Like, yeah. you know, so you, it's, you get data much more enriched. It's so true. And a mm. communication. Um, well, before before we go into fire round questions, uh, I would love to know sort of the, the future for Here We Flow, like where you envision it, kind of the focus. Is it more global expansion, more products? Um, let us know. Wow. Ooh, the vision. The vision's the a vision. good one. Okay, so Akash, we have our company vision, which yeah. is to create a world 
in which people feel crazy confident and empowered about their messiest moments. Um, What that means for us is, I think we are very focused on UK and US for the next couple of years. Um, And then as a team, absolutely adore our team. Um, Looking forward to growing it a little bit, but mostly just strong, getting stronger um, and tighter as a team. And of course we, you know, like every good aspirational company, we're like, we want to get to hundred million dollars in sales in the next couple of years. Let's uh, let's make that happen. But Susan, what were you going to say? Because no, similar. I was going to say sort of the focus is is U.S. U.K. Um, for now. Really wanting to have that brand leadership uh, in the U.K. It's our home market. We love it here. We've learned so much here, um, and just want to continue to grow that brand presence here. And then in the U.S., it's really about the distribution. Um, it's such a huge market. So you have to be a bit more strategic about how you market and sort of brand build. Um, but we have some really strong partners that we're, we're getting, um, started with this year. So it's, it's an exciting year for us to do uh, a lot more marketing, I'd say, than we have done as a brand. Um, and so we have the, the, uh, Bridgerton inspired commercial will be going live here in the UK uh, in February, March and April. So we're really excited for that. Um, no more period and- dramas, look out for a no more period dramas campaign. Yeah, yeah. very cool. It's gonna be oh, everywhere, yeah. Uh, so exciting. Well, I'm so excited to see what's to come and obviously I'll be I'll be following the journey. Um, so before we now fire around questions, but I have, a, it's, gonna, cause it's kind of hard because obviously what you guys create are essentials, but I'm going to still be, I'm going to still say this question. It's a bit, bit mm-hmm. harsh, but I'm going to say you're invited to a founded beauty island and I'm being very strict and I'm only allowing you to take one Here We Flow product. So I don't know if you have a favorite or if you want to say what you would be taking with you, but what would be your, your go-to Here We Flow product? Maybe Tara, you start first. Bamboo pads. I can bleed in them. I can pee in them. I can do whatever I need to do. You know, yep. you never know what's going to happen with the human body. Yep. And, and how about you, Susan? You know, I'm really into our period pants right now. They've like yeah. changed my life. And I think for a similar reason, you can do anything you need to do in these things. They're, and it's and so cool that you comfy. have a collab with Sex Education. That's so cool. That's like very, very cool. The logo and it was very, really very fun. Nice. That's so cool. Um, okay, so fire round questions. This is first thing that comes to your mind. There's three of them. Mm-hmm. So I'll start with um, Tara first and then Susan. So Tara, what's another beauty brand that you're currently loving right now? I love Sunday Riley, the skincare Very brand. Good. Yeah. When you're pregnant, what's... you can't use loads of skincare products. And I can use their CEO Glow Oil, of course. Yeah. What else would you use? Yeah. And their glycolic acid in the evenings. Um, how about you, Susan? So I'm going to, they're, they're sort of friends of the brand, but the, the Bybee girls. Um, no, I'm that. a bit I'll obsessed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They've come I'm on the pod. They're so sweet. I ah, love them. They're yeah. awesome. Um, yeah, they're, they're caffeine and... Um, Vitamin C cream. Vitamin C cream. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Oh, amazing. Well, 
I, I let them know. I'll have to let them know after that we that we'll all do something together, all of us. That'd be so nice. Um, awesome. Next question is: Do you have a favorite quote or a saying that you keep close to your heart? So I'll start with you, Tara. So one is attitude and effort are the only two things you can really control in life. Mm. Yeah, I love and that. Right, right behind it is a quote from the Bhagavad Gita. Yep. which actually says you have a right to the action, but not the fruit of the action, which means you work as hard as you can. And then there will be things in life that go your way and things that don't. And that's out of your control. And you have to choose how you're going to react or respond to that. I love that. Oh, thank you. Uh, and how about you, Susan? Uh, so I, I mentioned uh, at the start of the the call when I logged in that my nickname in the business is, is shoes in or shoes for short. So I have yeah. a shoe related quote that I often think of. Um, it's from Marilyn Monroe. And it's you give the girl the right shoes and she can conquer the world. And um, I try to bring that energy with me every day. Oh, I love. And my last question, guys, is Tara, if you weren't a beauty entrepreneur, what would Tara be doing right now? I think I would be working for an animal rescue charity. I really, really love animals. It was really what prompted becoming a vegan yeah. um, many moons ago. Um, but I probably would maybe also go back and maybe study some more. I'd always wanted to do a PhD in um, development economics. I don't think I'm quite clever or good enough in maths anymore. <laughs> um to do it but would love to i th i always thought okay if, if this all falls apart i guess i will work for an animal charity yeah. study some more and, and be a mom and see what happens oh i love uh, well you have to like we have to do stuff together with them um, because I, I don't know if you know but me and my sister with the fable in maine we have a fund called fable fund so it's all about helping uh, wildlife conservation animals mainly big cats um in in india and mm. africa um so we're, we're just huge animal people i um that's my, my my life is dedicated to animals there's enough there are people obviously i help people and there is a lot of people helping people but i feel there's not enough people helping animals so that's like my thing Aww. so yeah so that's my that's my mission in life um and how about you susan so i think i'd probably still be working in the d i think i am still working in the dei space in a way because i'm getting to to build the culture from scratch with people don't usually get to do but i think there's endless amounts of work to do um with business culture when it comes to those um to those areas uh so i think i'd still be plugging away <laughs> there's a lot to be done and I, I i do think one thing though which i think is very exciting especially what you guys are doing and, and what we're doing here as well is like the biggest change is sometimes inspiring and i've been in the biggest conglomerates from lbmh and estee lauder and i thought like, i've been in meeting rooms where i didn't see you know i, I had some either whether it's racism or this or that and i thought i can speak up i can say but i have done that in the past and nothing really shifts but actually let's create a brand and a workplace mm -hmm. that really will inspire many more and anyone who comes in here will you know, the butterfly effect the knock-on effect so that's kind of one of the fuels behind even building a business is is, is sort of what impact will it have that mm -hmm. maybe yeah you know, i will go beyond my lifetime so that's the, that's the goal here 
It's it's amazing. I mean, one of the most exciting things about um, the British startup culture has been seeing all these different um, people of color and and women of color um, starting things. Yeah, Um, I'll say that, you know, I'm sure it's the same in your industry. But in our industries, whether you're talking about periods, bladder care or sex, it was all owned, operated, controlled um, by men, mostly white men. Exactly. Who were older, who'd never had a period, (laughs) probably didn't ever say the word vagina or vulva, couldn't tell you what one looked like, um, never had to think about the environmental impact of their periods. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Some of that is changing now. You're starting to see some of those big corporations have more, at least female representation but their boards are often but still. But the, the top person is still is still that person. Still. Yeah, and we, yeah. you know, we didn't. Going back to the commercial when you were asking about the period drama spoof, the reason we love the idea of a period drama is this Victorian era where you weren't supposed to talk about all sorts of things, mm. um, and everything, of course, was seen through the male gaze even a lot of the literature that we like from that time. And what we wanted to do was subvert that and say, you know, what does it look like if um, Lady Flo of the Manor um, <laughs> could, could bring this up as a dinner time conversation? Yeah. But even now it's like, I think there is something very quietly revolutionary in saying these are products for um, bodies primarily female bodies and it's run by it's founded and run by people who share that bodily experience whether it's menstruation bladder leaks whatever sex is different because you know all like all sorts of humans have sex but um yeah what does it look like if we have the opposite of the male gaze um (laughs) no i think it's so powerful and 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 as you said it's it's there are a few, star- like I would say, even more just startup companies that are are, are seeing this. But um, the industry is governed by exactly those big industry giants that are led by exactly the people you were saying. And I think it's time for a change, and people want that change. And I think um, it just has it can only happen by people like you guys creating th- those businesses, and that's what you guys are doing. So very very inspiring. I know everyone listening will be equally as inspired, but. If they want to continue following you guys on this journey post podcast, where can they follow you guys? Maybe individually, but also like the brand itself. Uh, what are the links? Here we flow. So that's H E R E W E F L O. We do not have a W on our flow. No, um, yeah, on Instagram, TikTok, um, all all the places. That's that's the best way. And then our website's hereweflow.co. Um, If you are in the UK, we're sold in Boots, Holland and Barrett, Ocado, Amazon, Superdrug, um, lots of lovely places like that. Lots of lovely independents and um, health and natural stores. Um, We are big fans of the health and natural food stores. That's where we started. And then in the US, it's Target, Whole Foods, every single Whole Foods in the States. so that's pretty, um, like that's probably the farthest reach there. Yeah. Um, Amazon in the States, 
at Bed Bath and Beyond in the States. So yeah, come find us on a shelf. H E B if you're in Texas. Ooh, H E B if you're in Texas. We love <laughs> Texas. So cool. You guys are everywhere. This is so exciting. And this is just um it's only getting started, which is really cool. So um Thank you guys so much. We're going to now catch up in London. We're neighbors. So um, this is not the end for us. But uh, I'll put all the links in the summary so people listening can tap away. And um, I'll see you guys very, very soon. So thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much.